we're going to continue. We're on to the third fruit, the fruit of peace. <clears throat> you ever had a, a slow leak in a tire on one of your cars? It's just incredibly inconvenient for when these kinds of moments happen, right? Not too long ago, <clears throat> this happened on Laura's car, my wife's car. Started telling me the tire looked low, and so I filled it up and started paying attention to it. And it's just kind of a pain because you know it's going to take time and it's going to take money to fix. So I'm keeping an eye on it. Every few days, I need to go put air in it, and I realize, okay, there's a leak in the tire. But it's going to take time, and it's going to take money. So what do I do? I keep putting things off, and so I pay attention to it every few days. I have to go put air in the tire. A few days turns into every two days, turns into one day until finally I have to make the time and find the money and make sure we take care of this tire that's slowly leaking on the car. So I take it somewhere to get looked at. I tell them what's going on. I tell them the whole story. It's slowly leaking this and I have to fill it up. And so there's obviously something wrong. Could you check it out and let me know what's going on with this tire? <clears throat> they take it back. After what seemed like a very long time, they bring it back out. It's full of air. And the guy says, we didn't find anything, so we just put air in it. I look at the guy. I said, I told you. It's been leaking. I've been doing this for, for, for a few weeks now, filling it up every few days. Yeah, but we couldn't find anything, so we just put air in it. Here you go. And I thought, there's a problem here that we don't want to address or look for or find to fix. And as we move on to the third fruit of the Spirit, which is peace this morning, I think our peace and peacefulness operates much like a slow leaking tire. It's great while there's air in it, but if we start to lose the air in the tire, it becomes a problem. Peace is great because peace is one of those, you can define peace by saying, well, you just know when it's there, right? You know peace because things seem right, feel right, look right, act right. However that may be defined by you, you just know when it's a peaceful moment, a peaceful situation. We strive for peace. We want world peace. We look for peace. We even couch our politics in saying that we want peace, that we strive for peace. But peace that is determined by my situation or by my definition, peace that is determined by your situation, by your determination, will always have a slow leak. You'll know it when it's right. Because there's no problems until there's a problem. Peace that is, that is built around circumstances will always have a slow leak. And here's what I mean by that. Peace that is built on situation is going to change because every situation changes. Right? This beautiful day will turn into another day, and that day may lead to bad weather, rain, clouds, cold. 
See, every situation we experience doesn't last. We know this because we live life and we understand that every circumstance comes and goes and new ones replace it. And every situation in and of itself is different. So while it's good in the moment, there's a slow leak in that moment because that moment is slowly leaking away. And so the peace that is couched in the moment is slowly leaking away. I talked about this many times before, but one of my uh, one of my practices is to get up early on Sunday mornings. I enjoy getting up early on Sunday mornings before I'm with you, before I preach God's word, so that I can be in the stillness and be in the presence of God alone, and I can fully be in God's word without interruption. So you know situations like this. It's early, the sun's just starting to peak, everyone's asleep in the house, hot cup of coffee, maybe a lamp or two is on, and that's it. It's a perfect and peaceful situation. My experience, though, is is those peaceful and perfect mornings, those types of Sunday mornings that I strive for and long for, they leak away because all of a sudden I will hear at some point in the morning, sometimes earlier and sometimes later, but I will hear the pitter-patter of four feet in particular, my two youngest starting to come down the hallway. You see the situation, the circumstance changed. And the peacefulness of the moment is now interrupted with complete and utter chaos from my two younger children. We strive for peacefulness. We want peace in all circumstances, in all areas of our life. We want peace at work, peace in family. We want peace at church. We want peace around us. We want peace in all things. We want what John Lennon uh, sung about. Imagine all the people living life in peace. This is what we strive for. We sing about it. We want it. We want these moments. But we must be aware that peace determined by me or you, peace determined by situation alone, will forever have a slow leak. The pitter-patter of the footsteps will come down the hallway and interrupt. Chaos will intervene into the peacefulness that may be the perfect moment. And so when we begin to measure, when we begin to measure peace by our standards or our circumstances, we begin to see peace as something that we have to work for, strive for, something that we have to we have to produce out of our own workings, out of our own lives. This isn't the kind of fruit to which Paul refers to in Galatians chapter 5. See, Paul's not giving a list of nine characteristics that you need to work at. Paul is giving us nine Christian characteristics that come out of people who are connected and fully immersed in God and his spirit and his kingdom. Peace comes out of us. It lives in us. It is produced in us, not because we have done anything, not because we've gotten up early, not because we've made the perfect moment, not because we've tried to bring the chaos or the argument or the anger down, but because we are connected to God alone. That's it, period. End of conversation. 
Peace can't be determined by our situation because peace will be interrupted. It will leak out of that moment. Now, Jesus knew this. Jesus understood this. And he recognized it. John chapter 16, verse 33, as an example. This is the night Jesus will be betrayed. He'll be handed over to the Romans. This is the night that he'll uh, begin his execution. And in John chapter 13, 14, and 15 in particular, Jesus spends the last night uh, here on earth as a human with his disciples and a lot of quality teaching time in the gospel of John. He's taught him many things in these chapters. And in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says this to his disciples. I've told you these things. I've taught you these things. We've shared in these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have over come the world recognize jesus doesn't shy away from the reality that you're going to have trouble in this world you have experienced trouble in this world you know what that means jesus doesn't say i have come to make sure that your circumstances and your situations will have no trouble he doesn't say that he says, I've spent time with you. I have come to be with you. I have shared with you. I have taught you. And I've told you these things so that you have peace. And he's not talking about your situation. He's not talking about the circumstances. He's not talking about the pandemic. He is talking about peace that passes all understanding. He is talking about a peace that is not built on the circumstances because those have leaks. They don't last. I recognize, Jesus says, you will have trouble in this world. That's fact. That is understood. You live in a fallen and broken world. And all of humans throughout time since the garden have understood what trouble in this world is. But Jesus doesn't say you'll take away the trouble. He says, no, I leave you my peace. I give you peace. I give you peace because in this world there may be trouble, there may be hard days, there may be misunderstandings, and there may be days where anxiety is boiling over. But guess what? I have overcome the brokenness. I've overcome this world. He taught, he shared, he encouraged so that peace in all situations, in all circumstances, would be there. So it's interesting to me that only a few chapters later, Jesus has been executed. He has been buried. The disciples have fled. They are in hiding because there's bounties on their head. If a disciple is found at Jesus' execution weekend, the disciples fear for their lives. And so the disciples, they, they get together and they hide in a house. In John chapter 20, here's what happens when they're hiding in this house. That Sunday, that evening of that Sunday, the disciples were together. The doors were locked, Scripture says, for fear of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus came. This is the resurrected Jesus, the living Jesus. 
And he stood among them. And these are the first words that Jesus says to a group of fearful people. Peace be with you. They're hiding because they have a right to be afraid. There are bounties on their head. The Jewish leaders are looking for them. Their lives are at stake. They have every right to be afraid in this moment. And Jesus enters into the situation and Jesus says, peace, peace be with you. Does that change the situation? No. There's still bounties on their head and they're still afraid and the Jewish leaders are still looking for them and they are still locked up in the house. But you know what it changes? It changes because Jesus is there in the room with them. He is amongst them in their fear and their anxiety and in their uncertainty. He is there in their grieving in this moment. And that's where peace dwells and grows from. That's peace that passes all understanding that Paul talks about. Peace is living in the gift that is God's wholeness. Peace is not circumstantial. Peace is being one with God, connected with him, complete with the Father. So Jesus, he's, he walks into a room full of fearful, angry, grieving disciples who are hurting from a, from a very distraught weekend. And he says, peace. Why? Because in God alone, peace may be experienced. Peace. Peace follows in Jesus' footsteps. Wherever Jesus went, peace came with him. Why? Because he was whole and complete with the Father. He was one with his Father. Beyond circumstance, beyond the moments, peace, living beyond what is going on right in front of us, the circumstance, the leaking air that is the moment, Peace is found in the presence of Jesus Christ because Jesus brings hope. He brings redemption. He brings the overcoming of the world with him, and that is a gift. Have you ever experienced peace that is beyond the moment? Or is peace all about making sure you get the right moment? Is peace built on your circumstances? Is it determined by your situation? Because if it is, then what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, makes zero sense. The peace of God, Paul says, Philippians 4, verse 7. The peace of God, which, by the way, transcends all understanding. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that surpasses and transcends all understanding is a peace that is beyond circumstance, beyond situation. It is a peace that is a gift because God is present. I remember the first time that I was really sick uh, away from home, as in college, sophomore in college this is the first time that i was sick away from my mother i mean really sick 
Um, and, and I was, I was having a really hard time. I couldn't get over the sickness. I was miserable and I was hurting. And I remember this particular day of just, just being sick away from home and miserable. And I remember talking to my mother on the phone who was hours away from me. And I remember experiencing and knowing a peace that I never had before through the illness, through the sickness. I had a peace because I knew my mom, though she wasn't physically with me, was with me. I had a peace about me. I was still hurting and I was still sick and it took a couple more days. And even though I was still sick, there was a peace that was in the moment that was in the sickness. Why? Because my mother's presence. And God the Father also plays God the Mother, the caring, loving God who watches over each and every one of us. And this is the peace to which Paul is talking about. It passes all of our understanding. It transcends the moment. Are you still sick? Are you still hurting? Are you still miserable? Would you still like the situation to change? Yes. Yes, I would. But there's still peace. Not because I created it, not because I worked for it, not because I made it happen. No, because God's presence is before me. And God, the loving, caring God, is with us. He walks with you in illness, sickness. And bad diagnosis. He walks with you when you're out of a job. When your job isn't going well. The loving, caring God walks with you in a pandemic. He walks with us when there's such divisiveness and hatred in an election season. When we want things to be different. Peace is still amongst us because God is loving and caring and that transcends all understanding. And so very quickly, let's let's back up in Philippians chapter 4. Because there's an important aspect to Philippians 4 verse 7 that I purposely left out so far. So let's pick up in verse 4. This paragraph in Philippians 4. We read this for, we read verse 4 last week, but let's start there. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, the peace that passes or transcends all understanding is built in us preparing for peace in all situations, in all circumstances. 
See, if you want peace to live in hard days, difficult days, then you must start preparing for peace today. Preparing for the presence of God in your life, not someday, but today. See, first, peace is rooted in joy. There's a reason Paul talks about joy so much as he writes from prison to the church. Because so many things can be rooted in joy. And so Paul begins this section by saying, rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because rejoicing centers us back onto God. It focuses us back onto the Father, not on the situation. Secondly, Peace grows from gentleness. The one thing Paul wants to there to be evidence of in God's people is gentleness, which is another fruit of the Spirit. But why does Paul want others to know or see gentleness out of Christians? Because he wants God's people to act with softness and care in all circumstances. And so gentleness comes from this place of wholeness and completeness with God. Thirdly, peace, excuse me, gains strength and thanksgiving. Here's the kicker of Philippians 4, verse 6. We often pass over this. In every situation, not in some, not on good days, every single one of them turn over to God. We don't get to pick and choose which things we want to hand over to God or which things we're going to be anxious about. But in all of our anxieties and in all of the moments we wish would be different or, we, or we're not satisfied or, or we're hurting in, we turn over to God. And we do that by turning into thanksgiving, by turning into our thankfulness to God. We don't get to pick and choose which things we're going to keep looking at or listening to while the other things we're going to hand over to God. It's all or nothing because in Thanksgiving, we turn our attention to the God who has blessed us and watched over us and has given to us more than this world. It's the same Jesus who's overcome this world, who's given us beyond this world. And our peace that transcends all understanding, it finds its strength when we turn to thanksgivings. Because then, lastly, peace will guard your heart and mind. The peace that transcends all understanding, that kind of peace, the peace that comes from being in the presence of God, peace that is built out of Jesus Christ, peace that is rooted in the joy of turning to the Father, peace that is that is evident in gentleness and peace that has its strength from thanksgiving, that peace will guard you, protect you. It comes from, it's the and of verse 7. And, and the peace of God. When we are joyful, 
gentle, thanksgiving people the peace that is beyond the moment will guard us. We could also think of it this way. The peace that transcends all understanding will be with us. Paul talks about that again in, in the following verses of Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. You see, the peace that transcends all understanding for Paul, that's the peace that he wants to leave with the church. The peace of the God who will be in goodness and gentleness, the God that we rejoice in, that God will provide a peace that is beyond this. So we get to be people who live peace, people who are peacemakers, as Jesus puts it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, in his beginning of his Sermon on the Mount, in his Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Paul also puts it this way to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. God's not a God of disorder but of peace. Ephesians 4, verse 3, Paul puts it this way as well. He encourages the church to make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. And Paul's not giving a goal. He's not giving a standard. He's sharing what life that is holy and completely connected and grown out of Jesus Christ looks like. Peace is more than a goal. It's more than a standard. It's a life of wholeness. Being a peacemaker doesn't mean you build the right circumstances. It means you are building connection and wholeness and completeness and relationship with Jesus Christ. Because out of that, you will make every effort. You will be the peace of God in this world. So I think that's why in Colossians 3 verse 15, Paul says, let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And that's where I'm ending this morning. With encouragement and a challenge for each and every one of us here in this place. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Right before the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, Paul talks about uh, the acts of flesh. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And he gives a list, not an exhaustive list, but he gives a list 
of the acts of the flesh that are obvious. And you know what the acts of the flesh are obvious? You know why they're obvious? And you know why Paul can go in, use the acts of the flesh, and get into the fruit of the Spirit of Galatians 5, 22 through 23? It's because of the fruit of the Spirit. It's produced by our relationship and our wholeness with God alone. The acts of the flesh, as he puts it in verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, are in contradiction with the Spirit of God. You see, the acts of the flesh are chaos. They're disruption. Immorality, impurity, debauchery, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, those don't build up peace. And so even if you're a person who believes peace has to be built in the circumstance of the moment, the acts of the flesh do not allow for peace to be built in the circumstances of this world, of this life. Chaos is built in the acts of the flesh, as Paul puts it. And that's why it's in contradiction with the Spirit of God. They promote and define chaos. They're at conflict, as he puts it at the end of verse 16, with the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God does not fill with fleeting gratification, excuse me, gratification of moments, if I can speak. The Spirit of God fills peace that transcends the moment and the situation and the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Let the peace of Jesus Christ rule in your heart. I think we can do that. I think we can do that by making peace when we practice peace with the God of peace. God gives us something quite special. And it's actually quite mind-boggling. In fact, Paul says it transcends our understanding But we can make peace when we are people who practice peace. When we practice connection and wholeness and completeness. When we practice spirituality to Jesus Christ. Because we are the people who come from the God of peace. Kingdom-centeredness, not self-centeredness. Jesus-focused, not situational. And so this morning, I ask you one more time, and I invite you to respond right where you are to this fruit of the Spirit. Will you allow the peace that is Jesus Christ rule, dominate, flood, overtake your heart let's stand together and let's sing